I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to a special edition here of First Class Fatherhood. I'm very happy to be here with you, as always. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please hit that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the excitement coming your way here on First Class Fatherhood. Navy SEAL Week is in the books. And based on your comments and your feedback, it was a tremendous success. And I was very honored and blessed to have five awesome Navy SEALs, first class fathers, to give me a few minutes of their time to share their thoughts on fatherhood and some of the top issues that are facing parents today. Uh, So I kicked it off on Memorial Day with Jason Redman. I had Kevin Lace and his wife, Lindsay. I had Brandon Webb. I had Eli Crane. And I had Rob O'Neill. And boy, what a lineup that is. And and these guys are definitely people that your children can look up to. God knows we are running out of male figures to look up to in this country. And this podcast, I'm putting all five of those interviews in one spot here so you can listen to them straight through. And I I really just want to say thank you to those gentlemen for taking the time out of their day and their busy schedules to share those moments with me here on First Class Fatherhood. So Coming up just in a moment, I'm going to hit you with a quick spot here, and we're going to get right into the action, starting with the Jason Redman interview that I did on Memorial Day, and then it will just continue on right through uh, for the five interviews. I will be back with some fresh content starting on Monday, uh, and it is going to be very exciting. We'll be starting with episode 55. I'm going to be interviewing uh, some other fathers out there that got some dad podcasts going on. So I'm uh, going to sample a few of the other guys out there, and, and we're all like-minded people trying to bring a positive influence uh, you know, to the fatherhood scene. So I'm very excited to speak to some other fathers about this. Going to have some fresh topics of the day to hit you with. So please keep it locked in here to First Class Fatherhood. And I'm, I am continuing to work diligently to get some fresh guests, some top guests. So please stick around. You are not going to want to miss what's coming here on First Class Fatherhood. So let me hit you with a quick spot here. And we're going to jump right into the action with the interview with Jason Redman, followed by the interview with Kevin and Lindsay Lace, and then Brandon Webb, and then Eli Crane, and then Rob O'Neill. So please, I hope you enjoy share the podcast, smack me with a little bit of feedback, and let me know how you think I'm doing here. So here's a little spot, and we're going to get right into the interviews. I'm Alec Lace, and you are listening to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now is a very special guest who was wounded on the battlefield seven times while serving our nation as a Navy SEAL, including being shot in the face. His injuries required more than 37 surgeries, 1,200 stitches, and 15 skin grafts. His attitude towards recovery has inspired hundreds of thousands of people across the globe. He is a best-selling author, motivational speaker, founder of Wounded Wear, but most importantly, he is a first-class father. Jason Redman, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Alec, hey, thanks for having me on. Honor. All right, let's kick things off here. How many kids do you have and how old? I have three kids. They are uh, 18, 15, and 13 years old. So older boy and two girls. 
Okay, well, given your background and everything that you know about it, how would you feel if your kids wanted to follow in your footsteps and, and join the military, join the service? I, you know, I would love it. I'd be perfectly honest. I mean, I would be honored. I, I tell anybody that I think the military is an, is an amazing organization that, that teaches you the most vital aspects of life. Um, whether you ever see combat or not. And I know for many people out there, especially as a parent, I mean, you would probably hope your kids wouldn't be exposed to that, but then you also have to balance that against the reality of the world. But even without any of those aspects, just for your kids or anyone to go through uh, basic military training or any of the advanced trainings, I mean, they, they learn the basic principles of being a good human being. You learn how to be an effective leader. You learn how to be an effective member of a team. You learn how to communicate. You learn how to do uh, build structure and goal set and all these things that make us successful as human beings. So, uh, you know, in that aspect, I would absolutely uh, love it. Now, with my kids, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll jump right into my son actually has a, uh, has a small hole in his heart. It doesn't stop him from doing anything, but I, other than the fact it will stop him from going in the military. That being said, uh, you know, I kind of got hit in the face with the bat, not literally, but metaphorically a few years ago. Uh, well, a few more, six years ago, he was 12 years old and we were at an event and somebody asked my son, he was 12 years old then. And he said, uh, they asked him, are you going to become a seal like your dad? And, and without missing a beat with the candor that only kids have, you know, when they don't really, they don't take time to think about something. They just, you know, the answer that they have in that moment is what they spit out. And my son said, no, I don't think so. He said Navy SEALs get killed and severely injured. Wow, gee. That was really eye-opening to me because I realized this was the world my kids had grown up in. You know, my son, from the, the time he can remember, grew up in a household that was at war. I mean, you know, my friends were going to war. Uh, you know, he got a little bit older and I started going to war. And, you know, we would have functions you know i remember having a poker game one night and you know a quarter of the people there were missing limbs uh wow. because of the war uh my son has had friends that were killed you know their dads were killed in the war so my son grew up with the the very harsh realities of war um i think for many young men and women even for myself when i was younger going in the military there was a romanticized part of it you know, the, the heroism, the brotherhood and all that absolutely exists. But the problem is with war, there is an incredibly negative, dark side. And my young my son, more than any of my kids, grew up as a witness to that. It is very sad to see so many people disconnected to the fact that there are currently service members overseas uh, laying down their life for our freedom. So uh, it, it doesn't go unnoticed by me. The closest thing uh, us civilians have to learning any of those skills that you mentioned, leadership, teamwork, a lot of times is found in sports. Uh, so I'm curious uh, to hear your opinion on this. Uh, how do you feel about your children playing contact sports such as football? I, I, I am, I'm a fan. I grew up, I, I wrestled and I played football. So I do agree there's a balance. We need to figure out at what age do we allow kids to play full contact. You know, there's a lot of studies that are going on right now. Um, the impacts of head injuries. I mean, I remember on my football team, there was a guy, he had had like six concussions. 
and he had to wear like this padded, this thick pad on top of his helmet. And he used to joke about the fact he was like, yeah, the doctor told me if I, if I get one more concussion, I'm probably going to be brain damaged. And we all thought it was funny back then. Yeah. Wow. But you know, the reality is, you know, what are we doing? You know, what are we doing to kids? I remember that mentality. I remember that mentality. We grew up the same way playing football in the street with our friends and stuff. We just kind of never even gave it a second thought. It was almost just like a, and now looking back on it with my own children, I'm thinking about, gee, guys, be careful. You know, I got to worry about the insurance. If you get hurt, something like this. It's like none of those things even seem to exist when we were doing it. Yep. And, and, and I think, you know, we're getting the reality is we're getting bigger and stronger and faster uh, with time. And and uh, and I mean, you watch some of these hits, you know, in, you know, in college, even in high school. Vicious. I mean, they're, they're pretty vicious hits. So so I'm all about it. As long as people know the risks, we look at minimizing the risks. It's no different in special operations with missions. I love football. I wanted my son to play football. I'll be perfectly honest. And uh, he he grew up playing soccer. He was a very good soccer player. And uh, he was like, Dad, I like soccer. So he didn't go down the road of football. But if he had, I would have totally supported it. Yeah, I try to give my kids a little sample of everything and then try to really rally behind whatever it is that they choose. Uh, I want to turn my attention over to the hot topic. I would love to hear your opinion on this. The school shootings uh, becoming more frequent. Uh, How do you feel about officers in the school or gun safety with children? Please weigh in on the topic. You know, once again, and everything, it's got to be a balanced approach. Uh, It definitely is not, you know, you, you have the far left side of the equation and you have the far right side of the equation. I think you really got to look deeper into this problem. Um, I think school shootings are going to continue. And, and I was just reading an article. I'm trying to remember, I think it was Malcolm Gladwell who was talking about um, they're only going to get worse. And here's, and here's the problem. Why is Every school shooting we have desensitizes Americans and most specifically our kids that are perpetrating these school shootings and amplify that by, you know, Alec, you remember back when we watched movies growing up, uh, they, you know, there was violence, but, you know, a PG movie you didn't see anything. Well, today you watch PG movie and it's almost the level of an R movie we watched when we were. Correct. Movie. Yeah, correct. And, and. You watch these video games. I mean, they're super realistic. I watch these kids playing Call of Duty or things like that, or even um, God, what's the one I would never let my kids play? It's like it's like all about gangbanging. Uh, well, I know Grand Theft Auto is a terrible one. Yes, uh, there, there's that's other, the one. And I, I even did a thing on the podcast with that as well. Those games that we played, like the the Mortal Kombat or whatever the violence was, it was kind of like just a. In the, you never. It didn't look serious. It was just kind of like a backdrop to the objective, uh, the object of the game. You know. It, exactly. But I think all of that desensitizes kids to violence. And that's kind of what Malcolm Gladwell talked about. Every time there's another shooting, it's desensitizing them. And it, so that it's a much bigger problem than the than the actual topic of guns. Uh, it's really about the mindset of what American society and specifically our younger generation is being subjected to. So the counter to that is how do you approach that at home? You know, I obviously grew up in a, uh, I grew up with guns. I grew up shooting. Uh, I have guns all over my house. My kids, uh, I, I had all of my kids shooting when they were about five years old. So now they've grown a little older. Like my youngest, she really doesn't like shooting. She's my girly girl. Uh, my older daughter likes to shoot. and My son likes to shoot. Um, 
But the bottom line, they understand that a gun is a tool and it is a very deadly tool. And I think, you know, that is the approach. You know, you have to have a realistic approach to the life out there, you know, the, the reality of life. And I think, you know, uh, them understanding that there is violence. I mean, I will admit, I let my kids play some violent video games, but I also tell them, you know, you, you do understand that there's nothing, you know, there's a big difference when what you watch in TV, when, you know, a guy gets shot and in real life, you know, when I'm, when my uniform's covered in blood because my buddy just got part of his chest blown out, you know, it, it's, it's much different in life. Um, and so I think that's the key to anything in life, uh, as a, as a parent, it's about communication and trying to make sure they understand that what they're being exposed to, um, how that plays out in the real world. Cause ultimately, right. Our job as a parent is to prepare our kids to be successful in the real world. Yeah. I'm down with that philosophy. A hundred percent. Uh, I have to admit now, when we're talking about internet issues and the safeties of the internet, my biggest concern, my biggest fear is uh, with pornography and that the fact, because my kids are right at that age there, they're a preteen, I I am so worried that they're going to hit the wrong button on the phone or on the screen and they're going to get this real extreme image, a sexually explicit image or sexual act being performed and it's going to really blow their mind when when they haven't even seen a naked woman yet. So I would love to ask you, how do you or how did you curb or monitor the dangers of the Internet, such as pornography? Well, <laughs> so, I mean, I've had two instances with our kids with, you know, pornography. Uh, our son was the first one. He, he was probably 12 and he was hanging out with a kid that was older. And, uh, yeah, we found stuff on the computer and had to approach him about it. So that, of course, led to a talk about pornography and sex and everything else um uh, amazingly you know that one although i kind of expected you know 12 year old boy um we we had an issue with my my youngest daughter when she was probably only 11 and um you know on her ipad like i i was updating her ipad or something And yeah, I came across this search thread of, and it was innocent enough in the beginning, but what happened is that's the problem. You know, if you type in butts, just being funny as a young kid, correct? it, it opens up this aperture to God knows, you know, all kinds of things. So that led us to to sit down with her and just say, you know, when people are older, they do these things, but I turned hers off. And we also, and let me go back to my son, we restricted the content uh, that they could get to. So we installed some of this parent monitoring software and basically, you know, uh, um, uh, pornography based websites, it basically could block them if they tried to go to them. So, uh, you know, and I'll be honest, my kids are older now. I'm not putting those things in place. Um, because in some ways I just try and talk to them about the reality of life. Um, Cause ultimately this comes back to everything that I speak on, you know, ultimately you have to have the ability to lead yourself, even though kids, I'm not like this hands off, like, Hey, fend for yourself with my kids. But at the same time, like um, at the, you have to, um, you've got to let your kids fail 
and then step in and help where you can, because ultimately they're going to have to get out and succeed in society and they're going to fail in society. And we're running to a problem in society where kids don't know how to fail. They're not functioning well in the real world because the parents protect them and don't expose them to anything. Uh, like even, even to the level of germs right now, we're such a germophobic society. I was just reading an article the other day that there is a cancer that kids are coming down with that is directly attributed to the fact that kids are so clean now. Parents are so germophobic, you know, wiping them down with, you know, alcohol and, you know, Lysol wipes and all this stuff that they're not building specific immunities uh, that they grew up with in the past because, you know, you drop something, oh, you know, five second rule, you know, rub a little dirt in it. Yeah, some of the things today that I read and see about parenting, they really bother me. Not, not only has the terminology gotten soft, like you can't even let the kids hang out with their friends anymore. They got to have a play date. Uh, but but that whole everyone gets a trophy mentality has really gotten everybody sick. I mean, judging by my listenership, there's a lot of dads out there that are just sick and tired of it and really want things to change. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And we have to because we, we are creating uh, the next generation of Americans who – are not going to be able to function in the real world because in the real world, there are setbacks, there are problems, there are failures, there is competition. And guess what? The people are better are the ones who are going to get the job before you do. You know, there are going to be people that say things that's offensive to you. There are going to be people that do things that are offensive to you. And guess what? It's just kind of part of life. You may not like it, but it's just part of life. It seems like the only person people want to listen to today is the person that's telling them, hey, it's not your fault. There's something or someone else to blame here. And really, that's one of the reasons why I love the SEAL community, because of that never give up attitude, of course, like you showed during recovery, but also because of like Jocko Willink's theory or, or, or his expression of, hey, take extreme ownership for your life. Yeah, no, Jocko, I was listening to one of his podcasts the other day. I like listening to what everybody has. And Jocko had a great, uh, I love what he was talking about, the difference between um, reason and an excuse. And Jocko's definition, which I thought was great, is, you know, when something goes wrong, a reason, if you if there's a reason why you didn't accomplish what was happening, your reason is you had no, there was no way you could impact the um, circumstances that forced you not to accomplish what was going to happen. So no amount of planning, no amount of preparation, you know, it was a third order external factor that led to your failure. An excuse is something that your lack of preparation, you could have impacted it if you had been better prepared. And I think that's what, you know, kids need to understand. Right. That's the whole turnaround of of thinking. Right. Yeah. Because guess what? There's a lot of things in life that you can actually impact. You know, a lot of the excuses that people give you know, oh, it's not my fault or it's his fault or it's their fault or it's whatever's fault by better planning, by better preparing, by looking ahead a little bit more um, preparation. You could have prevented that. You could have foreseen that that possibly was going to happen. Uh, and a lot of I mean, hell, a lot of adults don't want to hear that because, yeah, now, you know, that impacts your ego and you're like, oh, you know, don't tell me that I'm not ready. Okay, we're airing this on Memorial Day, which is the day that we honor and remember our fallen men and women. Oftentimes when a soldier is killed or sacrifices their life, uh, they are a father as well as a son. Uh, So what do you say to those dads out there today who have lost their child while protecting our freedom? 
You know, I've never seen a deeper impact. I, I talk a lot about um, life's ambushes, and I talk about so many people get upset over things that is nothing. It's merely a schedule disruption. That's all it is. And then there are those true catastrophic events, and I've never seen one greater than the loss of a child. It just it disrupts the natural order of things. So for all those parents out there that have lost a, a son or daughter in the military, I mean, I just say, you know, my heart goes out to you. I mean, I've lost so many brothers. Um, I will say for us, we know the risk that we take and, and we accept it. I, on every mission that I went out, there was a point, you know, I went, I had my little, um, I had my little thing that I did before I went out on the mission. And, uh, and the last thing I did, you know, I looked through the pictures of my wife and kids and then, and then I accepted, Hey, I may not come back. You know, this may be the last time. And I accepted that I was potentially already dead. Um, and in some ways you had to think that way, but parents and wives or, or even husbands of female service members out there, they don't, they don't think that way. They don't have the luxury of thinking that way. They're not in that mission. So that impact is just, man, it is catastrophic for them. But I, but I will say this to all those parents that are out there, to all those wives or, or even husbands who have lost a loved one in the military, you know, that there is no greater sacrifice. And that may sound trite, but the problem or not the problem. I mean, the greatness of America of this nation. There's been no other nation in the history of the world that has grown to the level as fast as we have built around these tenets of freedom and opportunity. And if you go back to the beginning of this nation, it was built on sacrifice, you know, from the average farmer who stood up and said, I, I'm going to become a part of the continental army and fight. I don't have the skill set. I believe in freedom. So I'm willing to fight for it. And that moved forward throughout our nation's wars. I mean, there was always some sort of threat against freedom and opportunity that has led, you know, the average person to volunteer and say, I'm willing to go fight. As long as, and we need that because, um, you know, in the immortal words of Travis Mannion, if not me, then who? If nobody's willing to volunteer and, and fight and sacrifice for what we have here in this nation, then someday it's going to cease to exist. So, my opinion, the greatest act of heroism, to be able to go out and say, I'm willing to lay down my life, not just for the guys and gals next to me who I'm fighting for, not just for, you know, this nation that I believe in that gave me these opportunities, but everyone who lives in this nation. People who enjoy the freedoms day in and day out, and maybe not even, they, they've never even given a second thought to the military members that are out there fighting, but we do. We know we're fighting for every American. So to the parents that are out there, I just say, God bless you. Uh, I have served alongside your sons and daughters. I witnessed their amazing heroism and, and their willingness every day to step out there knowing they may not come back. And, and obviously for some of them, they didn't. But I, I will do everything in my power to make sure that their memory is never forgotten. Yeah, well said. God bless America. God, and, and thank God for people like you uh, who are out there protecting our freedoms. I do not take my freedom for granted. I understand that you guys are making sacrifices. You men and women are making sacrifices greater than the rest of us. And I make sure that I count my blessings for that each and every day. Uh, I know that Memorial Day, 
usually turns into a big sale at the mall, a day off of work. I know I'll be having a barbecue. How does a former Navy SEAL spend Memorial Day? What are your plans? Well, we also will probably have a barbecue. I mean, I think it's a great time to spend with friends and family because, you know, ultimately that is what makes life better. I will just say that at some point during the day, I will take a moment with my family and my kids and talk about the significance of this day. And I will talk about friends that I've lost and how amazing they were and and how I miss them. I I wish I wish they were still here. Uh, Guys who, uh, you know, I now still see their kids and their kids are older, but obviously, you know, their dads are no longer around. So those are the things that I would talk to my kids about. Uh, on on Memorial Day. And I think that's what everybody should do. Even if you have never been in the military, take a few seconds to talk with your family. Have a moment of silence. Just take a few minutes to think about that sacrifice. It doesn't take much, but, you know, it does go beyond the barbecues. It does go beyond the day off because there was a a very, very high price that was paid um, to enable that. All right, Jason, you planning on having any more kids, or are we all done here? No, we are done, man. <laughs> yeah, we are done. I, uh, You know, we three was good, and then after I got wounded, I think prior to being wounded, we might have possibly entertained one more, but uh, no, nah, we, we decided to stop at three. All right, your book, The Trident, The Forging and Reforging of a Navy SEAL, was a phenomenal book. I blew right through it. Uh, you have any other upcoming uh, writing projects we can look forward to? I am working on a second book. It'll be hopefully coming out sometime in 2019. We're still kind of uh, working on it and you know negotiating with some of the different publishing houses, but it is called Overcome, and it is a book about leading yourself uh, – It's a business-focused, self-help-focused book, um, talking on many of the principles I've developed, how to be an effective leader, uh, the three rules of leadership, how to lead yourself, and then how to lead others, and then how to lead always. And then it's, uh, you know, talking about how to build a strong, overcome mindset built around change. So, uh, So, yeah, those are all the things that I'm working on. It's kind of exciting because... One of the big things that I think a lot of people are going to be interested in the book is not only the content, but I'm reaching out to other very prominent SEALs who are successful in the business world. And at the end of each chapter, I'm going to have one of these individuals weigh in on how that specific topic, because everything I write about, I learned over that 21 year military career and uh, specifically from my special operations background. So I'm going to have them weigh in on how that specific topic shaped them and led to their success in the civilian world. So I've already got several pretty high-profile SEALs who have agreed to be interviewed for the book, and uh, I'm continuing to reach out and work on that. All right, you got to keep me posted on that, Jason. I will definitely be on the pre-order list when that book drops. Uh, Do you have any kind of uh, public speaking events or any appearances coming up? No, I'll just say, uh, you know, a lot of people always ask me, hey, when are you going to do a public event? I always do a lot of private events. Companies hire me to come in. Um, I do have a public event that's coming up. Um, I can't put out the details yet. I will just say that it will be down in Miami in in December. And it's going to be a pretty cool event. There's going to be some prominent individuals. And it is going to be all about uh, being an effective leader, being a, a... an effective man, having that balance as a man, as both a leader, you know, we need more real men in this world, you know, guys who, but balanced, you know, I think a lot of people 
have this idea these you know this neanderthal um you know warrior who just sits around you know sharpening his white his knife and uh you know in a dark room but if you look specifically i'm a big fan of the samurai and the bushido uh, mindset of having balance in all aspects of their lives so not only were they great warriors you know they were great fathers they were great husbands they were great neighbors they were great at real things and it was all about balance and that's something we're going to be talking about. You're going to have a bunch of different speakers, even myself, speaking on different aspects of, of leadership as a man. So that's going to be coming in early December and probably next week we're going to be putting out the information on that. And people can buy a ticket and they can come to that event. All right, Jason, that's going to wrap things up here. I cannot begin to explain how thankful I am for your service and the sacrifices that you and your friends have made for me and my family and all of us here in the United States. I want to say thank you so much for taking a few minutes out of your day to spend it here with me on First Class Fatherhood. All right, we're going to be right back after a quick spot. Alec, my honor. So, and yay, for all you fathers out there. The adversity is going to come, so lead always and overcome all. All right, we're going to be right back after a quick spot. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now are two very special guests. They are first class parents. He is a former Navy SEAL, a best-selling author, motivational speaker, actor, and physician. He joins me today with his beautiful wife and first class mom, Kevin and Lindsay Lace, Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. It's great to be here, Alex. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for having us. Okay, let's get underway here. How many kids do you guys have, and how old are they? We have two. We have our our son just turned eight, and our daughter is four and a half. All right. Out of my four kids, I got a seven-year-old and a three-year-old in there, so I'm pretty close to what you got. Uh, What are any sports going on right now? Any dance? What kind of activities are they into? Man, my little guy, he's uh, hes playing baseball full-time now, but he's also doing wrestling full-time. And my daughter just finished up with T-ball, and she's also active with tap and ballet. All right, Kev, are you involved in coaching at all? We are, yes. I, I coach his baseball team, and um, I think this fall I'm going to switch it up and, and start coaching my, my daughter's teams. Is it kids pitch or coaches pitch? Coach pitch. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I, li- I like that better myself. It makes the game move a little quicker. Okay, Lindsay, this one is for you. What was it like to see Kevin transition from that big, tough frogman, single guy, to becoming the husband and the first-class father that he is today? Well, it was was fast. (laughs) (laughs) He came home from Iraq the second time in 08, or August, September, or something like that. He got married in August of 09, and Grady was born in May of um, 2010. All quick, but... um, he, you know, Kevin has definitely, I think a lot of it um, has mellowed him maybe a little bit being a dad, I think. And definitely when our second one came around, when our daughter came around, that's been a um, a lot of lessons, I think, for him. But um, he loves being a dad and he's a great dad. Um, and a lot of the lessons that he learned in the teams, I think he tries hard to instill in our kids, but in a way that, you know, are, are appropriate for their age and a lot of it about perseverance and and not quitting and the biggest one is that you know failing does not equal failure i think that's one of the things that he's trying to pass on to our kids 
Okay, given Kevin's strict military background, how does it work when it comes to disciplining the children? Uh, is it Kevin's military style that takes the cake, or do you have your own kind of disciplinary philosophy? Um, I think that we have had to reach a happy medium, maybe because my, because my background was in teaching. I think I had a little bit more experience with kids, and um, he was maybe a little bit more hardline, and so we've met somewhere in the middle. All right. One of the big topics that are going on, we're having more and more school shootings. I'm always curious to get um, a parent's opinion on this. Uh, how, how do you feel about the school shootings? What can be done about bringing uh, guards into the school or armed guards? Or what do you think about the school shootings? Mm, interesting question. Uh, school shootings and kids, you know, uh, here at the house, you know, we teach our kids obviously to, you know, stand up what they, you know, for their values and what they believe in. Um, we teach them to be, uh, you know, strong and they're very strong willed. So we've got that going for us. But when it comes to entering that school environment, you know, we teach our kids to be safe. And, um, you know, I don't, I definitely instill my kids, you know, you don't have to be the hero. Um, we want to see you come home every day. So, you know, you have to go ahead and be smart, think, um, you know, help people when you can, but ultimately, you know, evade that situation when it comes to the overall you know school shootings in general um you know Lindsay and i talk about that very often and it comes down to family um you know we we have a very balanced family and we try to you know be there you know whether it's good cop bad cop you know but we're also there to listen to our kids you know because they go through stressors and they go through issues and we want them to be able to process that and deal with it and not pent it up and release it you know as we see out you know in these school shootings um so I think on a bigger scale, you know, things like what you do and what we talk about is, is important to help lessen some of those uh, incidents of the school shootings. It seems like the spotlight it should be geared more towards the family life and, and the family values. And I think if it was done more, I don't think we have half the issues that we have right now going on. So um, that's just my personal opinion. I, I agree. And, you know, I think also uh, my son is into wrestling. He really likes to wrestle. Um we're down here in the Panhandle of Florida, and um, there's a great coach. He's a former Marine. Um, you know, he, he wrestled all throughout the ranks, and it's great for young boys. You know, I grew up, you know, same thing. I had two younger brothers. We fought. We did all that stuff that now would be considered, you know, just like bullying and violence on each other. Um, but that helped us mature and get aggression out, and I think it's good for young boys um, and young girls to get that out because um, if they don't, you know, it, it can be catastrophic if they pent it up and release it on a yeah. school. Yeah, I agree. Lindsay, how do you feel about what Kevin is saying there? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's not as popular or PC to say anymore, but boys and girls are often different. You know, I mean, I see it in our two kids that are growing up in the exact same household, and we try to treat them the same as we can, but our son is just different than our daughter, and he needs different discipline than our daughter and everything, and he's... Um, he's just naturally rowdier and more, you know, more rambunctious and more physical than she is. And I think that boys need male role models. And if, you know, if you don't have a father in the home or if that's not possible in the home, like find a, find a way to get a male role model for your son. Cause I think that that's the one common thread in a lot of these school situations is there's not a present male role model for that kid in a lot of the cases. And I, I mean, Maybe that's not the only factor in that situation, but I think it's. No, I, I couldn't agree more with that. And I, here, let's see. Uh, you guys have any pets? Do the kids have pets in the house too, or no? Oh, it's funny you brought you brought that up. We just had to put our eleven year old oh, dog boy. down sorry, the other sorry, day. Sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's, she was a great dog. I got her before I met Kevin. Actually, a couple months before I met Kevin, she was a she was a really great dog, and 
she got really sick really quick we have another dog too he's a he's a lab mix he's a great dog as well but so he's getting some extra attention right now okay we talked a little bit off the air there it was uh you guys were getting ready to put the kids to bed walk me through your bedtime routine what kind of bedtime routine you got with the kids there and what kind of books do you like to read them yeah, we you know we wrapped up wrestling tonight, um, and we try and get the kids in into bed early. You know, I'm I'm in healthcare, and uh, you know, there's just great studies out there that you know sleep is obviously so important for the growing mind and brain. Um, so we get we get them in bed early, but you know, I, I always take time, and Lindsay always takes time. You know, we, we'll play a game with the kids. My son's huge into Beyblades right now. I don't know if you are, <laughs> um, but he's huge into that. And we did this Beyblade Beyblade battle, um, and then you know we usually sit down and read some books. Um, you know, the ones that are my favorites, like the places you'll go, you know, where the wild things are. Sometimes my kids are into them, sometimes they're not. But we always spend time, you know, one, playing with them, um, you know, and obviously, you know, hygiene and all that, and then sit down and read and they're in bed. Okay. All right, I know they're young. You got any kind of favorite family board games to play with the kids yet? Um, they kind of just go in phases. They like to play cards. They like, you know, like, you know, and crazy eights and go fish and those kind of things. Our daughter, she's four and a half, so she's just okay. kind of getting to where she can do this they like memory and they kick our butt i got a ton of chess players over here any any chess players in the family um kevin plays chess with he's starting to teach our son um but he likes checkers but you know they both of them cry when they lose but we don't let them win all the time (laughs) do you have any favorite family movie or any movie traditions you guys watch once a year that you're starting or anything uh we watch home alone normally at christmas and we just started the sandlot with uh with our son this past last year because of baseball and he loves it i know this is always a tough one but do you guys plan on having any more kids uh you know it's funny you asked that question um yeah i'd have a whole fire team if it was up to me but no i think we're gonna we're gonna settle with two you know we're, we're able to do a lot with the kids um and you know we go down to disney we travel um and they really enjoy it and you know having two kids um is great because they can do multiple sports and we're not, you know, completely strapped in time. And, you know, we, we give them, you know, equal. And the problem is, is, you know, once you have three kids, you're outnumbered. Uh, absolutely. So and I, and I say this to parents all the time that are, that are in this situation of thinking about going for the third and going from two to three was by, by far the hardest transition for me and my wife. But in saying that it had a lot to do with um, my children's ages at the time, my older two years would be a little bit older. So, the more independent the older children are is really what decides how tough it's going to be. Because for us, uh, our two older ones weren't at the age where they could do really anything independently as far as hygiene and, and, and change clothes and go to, you know, do any of that stuff on their own. So they still needed us to do that. And we added the infant into the mix. So that, that, was, that, was, a, that was a very big struggle. I will say that. that. Then again, it was well worth it. So I don't want to deter you from doing it. You guys have a go-to vacation spot or you change it up when you go on vacation? What, what kind of vacations do you guys like to take with the family? Now that they're getting a little bit older uh, and travel is easier with them, we've gotten a little bit more adventurous. We've taken them to Colorado a couple times. We really like um, Crested Butte, Colorado. Um, we have done Disney with them a couple times, but that's not my favorite <laughs> because it's so um, it's just so uh, crowded. Yeah. It's so crazy. But, you know, being down here at the beach, you know, we, we love it. We take them. It, it's you know, the easiest vacation you can, I remember growing up, you know, my parents would load the, the country squire station wagon and we'd pack it out and we'd drive the 25 minutes and it felt like an hour to get to the beach in Connecticut. But here, you know, we're a, a you know, 10 minute drive to the beach and we can spend all day and it's, it's cheap. It's fun. The kids get to fish and we love it. How do you feel about them when they, when they want to go skydiving? Are you going to be into that with them? 
<laughs> well, I didn't like skydiving, so if they get my genetics, they're not going to be big fans of that. Um, you know, I, I'm always going to support them, whatever they do. My son, he actually just shot his first Audad this past winter, and then we took him duck hunting last year, and he shot a coot, which is a marsh hen, um, <laughs> when he was, uh, you know, six and a half. So he's into it. My daughter's she is going to be the huntress. She just wants to sit out in the duck blind and blow duck calls and, you know, have fun. Awesome, awesome. Lindsay, I want to start this one here with you. How do you feel about contact sports and maybe letting your kids play football, for instance? Uh, this is our debate, current debate, because our son really wants to play football, and um, we've been trying to steer him away. Like Kevin said, he's in healthcare, and we're okay with him not <laughs> taking repeated blows to the head. I, I couldn't agree <laughs> more. <laughs> yeah, it's hard though because down we live down here in the in the deep south, and football is um it's huge down here. But he's really come a long way this year with baseball. He's he's on the all star team this year, and he's doing really well. And then, as Kevin said, he likes to wrestle, and he's um coming along with that too so um if we can keep him out of football yeah i mean there's nothing wrong with football but if he's doing really well in baseball and if he's enjoying that then i'm i'm happy to just keep him there you know lacrosse is becoming more popular down here where we live so i mean i coach i, I coach soccer and i still yeah. have no idea really what the positions are called i really only coach up till the kids are like once they're six then i go back down to four or five and six i, I try to keep it around mm-hmm. there because i look at it more like a, a head class parent of the team rather than a coach really Right, right. Yeah, our son didn't. He played soccer. He didn't really love it, but he's um he's a big kid. He's he's you know he just turned eight, and he's what he's about four foot five, and he weighs okay. like seventy some pounds. So he's big. So he wants to get on the on the football field, but we'll see. All right, Kevin, the last Punisher. I loved it. I devoured the book in about two three days. Um, the movie. American Sniper, which you co-starred in with Bradley Cooper. Excellent performance. Do you have any upcoming uh, writing ventures or upcoming movies? Anything we could be looking forward to? Man, you know, you can't complain uh, when your plate's full if you're hungry. Yeah, of course we do, man. Um, Yeah, we're working on another book uh, right now. A little bit of details on that. Basically, it's going to be more of a book for veterans. Um, And we've got a project in in the works that we worked on last year. We took our charity, Hunting for Healing, to Africa. Um, we took two vets, an Air Force EOD guy and an Army Ranger who lost both his legs, them and their spouses hunting in Namibia. So, you know, we filmed that, cut it, and uh, we're in the final editing stages right now. And then, you know, I'll be busy this fall um, speaking and travel. And All right, that's about all the time I got for you guys here. I want to say thank you very much for giving me a few minutes of your time to come on to First Class Fatherhood. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for your service and everything that you do. I wish you nothing but the best of luck in the future. And it was really an honor to have a couple of minutes with you to talk about fatherhood. Lindsay, I can't say thanks enough for setting up this entire interview. And it was really a pleasure to have you guys here on First Class Fatherhood. Now, I appreciate that, man. We, the stories are great, man. And, um, you know, one inspires young people to join the military. And we need that. Definitely. definitely. Thanks Kevin, so much. Thank you. All right. We'll be right back after a quick spot. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now is an entrepreneur, best-selling author of books such as The Killing School, The Red Circle, and Total Focus. He is the editor-in-chief of SoFrep. He's the founder of Crate Club. And of course, he is a former Navy SEAL. Brandon Webb, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thanks, Alec. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, the only thing I would add to that is uh, I've been an entrepreneur now longer than I've been a Navy SEAL. (laughs) which I'm pretty proud of. 
All right, let me fire away here. Uh, how many kids do you have, and how old are they? I have three amazing kids, uh, two boys and a girl, uh, 10, 14, and 16. Um, okay, I understand you're a single dad, so this will be especially helpful uh, for my single parent listeners out there. What could you tell me about your experience? Yeah, I'm, divor- I'm a divorced dad. I, I don't have a normal... Um, even a normal divorced kind of situation with my kids. So my kids mostly live with their mom full time and, and who's remarried. She's, she remarried a really nice guy. Uh, so they've got a great stepdad and they've had two more um, kids, my ex and her husband, uh, t- two little girls. And so my, my children have two, um, two new sisters, but uh, yeah, it's, it's not, we can get into it if you want, but it's, um, you know, the fact that they live across the other coast and we have a, a different relationship, but it works for us. And I get along great with their mom and, and her husband. In fact, last Thanksgiving, I cooked dinner for, for her family and her, and her husband and all the kids. So it's that, it's that kind of relationship, which I'm grateful for. Yeah. What were some of the biggest challenges as a dad that you faced going through that whole ordeal? The hardest part, like going back, uh, you know, me as a parent, and, and I got to tell your audience, my, my mother called Child Protective Services on herself when I was a two-year-old kid in Canada. Like, she was ready to kill me. <laughs> she didn't know what to do with, do with me. I was a terrible kid as a two-year-old. Um, so, um, you know, as a, as a parenting is tough. And I remember my, probably my biggest challenge was going – being a married father of three, being a little league coach, and then having my marriage and right, coming off losing my first business and my entire life savings, coming off that, having been through so many hurdles in in the marriage, you know, with you know, I got married very young, and uh, my ex had just graduated San Diego State University, and. I went off to war with SEAL Team 3, and she had my oldest son when I was in Afghanistan. Um, and so we'd been through all this stuff, and but we had just realized through counseling that we were better off, you know, our goals for the future weren't aligned, and we were better off apart. And it was tough because I went from being a very involved father to you know, her packing up the children and moving to her family's ranch and I was alone at home in an empty house having to explain to all my neighbors what happened. You know, I was, I felt embarrassed and I felt like I was a failure in some ways as a dad and, and a husband. But then making the decision to, you know, be, have a good divorce and be a good a good dad and a good co-parent. And that was something that my ex and I worked out. Thankfully we had an incredible psychologist that, that worked with us to really develop a relationship uh, around raising really great kids. And, and, and really you know, as simple as it was, it was, I remember the, the lady we work with, uh, the counselor, she said, look, happy mom, happy kids. And that really stuck with me. So any, any request that she would make, I would, even though sometimes I'd get triggered and have a reaction, like how, you know, how dare you do this? Um, 
and, and even sometimes the law is on your side. I just learned to, to really put, put their mom's happiness first because, um, it really did translate to the, to the kids later on. And, and you just, the, the children, like they know that both parents love them. And if they're not, if they're very supportive, um, in a divorce and I, and I get that my situation is different. It takes two, two people really have to make a decision that, you know, if, if they're going through a divorce, that they're going to put the kids first. Because I, I see a lot of, I get judged a lot by people. I can tell I meet them for the first time. They ask me about my kids and they go, well, what do you mean your kids live on the other coast? The fact is it's, it's a decision that my ex and I made to have stability in their lives. Um, and they know mom and dad love them. And, and the time that I do get with them, because I see him on, on the big school holidays and, and in between if it's an important event and, and we use FaceTime to kind of supplement that. But I don't, I don't swap them out every weekend or every week. They just they stay in their home. They have a stable house and they know mom and dad love them. And the kids are doing incredible. And I see so many people that maybe they get their kids more frequently than I do, but they're not spending quality time. They're not present. And being present in your children's lives is super important. Um, and, you know, digging in and asking, you know, important questions rather than, hey, how'd your day go? And you're going to get these little bullshit answer like, oh, no. what happened today? Nothing. <laughs> okay. Rather than I, you know, I ask my kids all the time, what, what's your biggest challenge that you had to deal with this week? Or what are you most looking forward to? what was the most exciting thing that happened to you? So the, the way that we talk and question our kids is super important. I think as parents and the last thing I'll f finish with and I'll shut up and let you ask questions. Um, I was really fortunate to be involved with the sniper turnaround and the SEAL teams before I left. And we embrace positive psychology and that if, if it's one thing I can recommend to parents uh, and fathers is to really pay attention on how you talk to your kids, um, where positive psychology is, is concerned, uh, because your kids are out there in the world and, and you and I have both been in school or in situations as adults where people say just the nastiest things and they, you know, they judge and they put their own opinions and, and insecurities on, on each other. And I see people doing it to children all the time. Uh, and so to give your kids some tools to deal with that, the outside world and how, you know, to, to deflect negative influence and to deal with their own self-talk is something I, it's probably the biggest takeaway from me being a Navy SEAL and, and, serving as a sniper course manager and, and parenting, taking that positive psychology and seeing how it works for SEAL snipers and the top performing athletes in the world and applying it to parenting has been extremely powerful. And, and my kids are phenomenal. Um, it's, but anyway. Okay. Now you said in there through counseling, you discovered that you both had different visions of the future. Uh, after so many years of sharing the same dreams as a married couple, uh, how, how do you go, how do you find your footing after something like that? And then how do you muster up the belief in any kind of new plan that you formulate or any kind of new vision that you have for the future? 
yeah, you, you know, it, it was back to that that initial challenge for me. I mean, you know, when I got divorced, I was devastated. I mean, I dealt with grief. I was angry. But really putting the kids ahead of everything, going, you know what, I need to, like, put that aside, my own feelings, and really it's going to take hard work to, to develop a new type of relationship with their mother. Um, and on top of that, you know, the psychologist we used said, look, your, your family's going to choose sides and they're going to start mouthing off. And your job is to kind of keep your side of the That's family. Vicious. Yeah. No. Yeah. She, and I had my, I love my mom. My mom and my sister are great. My dad's, my dad's a great person. But there were many times I had to say, look, I don't want to hear you say that about my kid's mom because you don't know her situation and I don't want to hear it and I don't want the kids hearing it. That's the last thing I want them to hear. And it lasted about a year and a half, two years. And then our parents on both sides, like we set the example and all of a sudden they started getting along and her parents started checking with me saying, hey, how are you doing? Have you met somebody? If you want to come by our ranch, you're more than welcome. Uh, and as a dad, it's hard to imagine being separated so far from your kids. Did you did you agree at the time that the best thing for your children was to be so far away from you? You know what? I was extremely pissed off, and the law was again. Um, you know, we got divorced in California. The law. If I had have enforced the rule, of the law they would have stayed in the county because that's where I was living. But I, I had it explained to me that, you know, oftentimes the mother is so important in the kids' lives that, you know, getting, getting her in a really good headspace and supporting her was the best thing. And it's the best decision I ever made was putting my own bullshit aside and focusing on, really making sure their mom was in a good place emotionally and, and physically and the, the proofs in the pudding. I mean, I've, I took my, my oldest son, just he scored um, so high on his pre SAT he's getting scholarship offers. He's a straight A student. He's just a good person. Like he's, I'm all my kids are amazing, but they're just the number one comment I get when I bring my kids around other adult friends is like, wow, your kids are so compassionate, well-behaved and, and worldly. It's because I've traveled with them. I've exposed them to hard work. And like my oldest um, son had been to Africa with my mom on safari. Like he's seen poverty and, and um, you know, I just, I think exposing children to different cultures and and countries where you know look you live in america it's a great country but not everybody is lucky to be born here um and they, they've seen that and and also letting your kids make mistakes and yeah go do go ride a bike with no helmet and and fall and knock your head <laughs> it's just like some it, we're too protective of of i think there was a generation um, a lot of Gen Xers were really too protective with their kids. And, and you know, th it's one thing to treat everyone equally and with respect. It's another to kind of give everybody a participation trophy because life doesn't work that way. In the real world, people, 
win and lose and fail and it life is life is tough i definitely have some faith in the generation that's coming up here i feel like they're going to be educated and have access to so much more information than we ever did okay let me turn this over to one of the hot topics uh there's been a rise in school shootings as you know uh, you have school-aged children. You're a former Navy SEAL. They're talking about putting armed guards in the schools. What's your opinion on the crisis? My opinion, um, my opinion is that if, if I could, and for one, I think, you know, I'd like to march most politicians off a cliff. Um, I just think they, you know, we have, and, and when I say politicians, it's really like they're the ones putting forth new legislature and laws and, you know, and, and it's just, I think we are in a political situation where just stuff's not getting done effectively in D.C., but, you know, back to the school stuff, you know, I talk with um, my friends and parents and, you know, me as a Navy SEAL, given all my background, I think the most effective way to combat a, a potential active shooter would be to put a couple canines in the school. Those dogs, we used them on active duty and okay. SEAL teams, and then... The canines, you can train them to react and probably detect beforehand because animals are, are incredible about paying attention to those environments. You put a couple dogs in that school and they're going to protect the pack. And I'll tell you what, there's those, those dogs that we used overseas um, are incredible and they will good right after a shooter with no hesitation wow that's, that's um, awesome i haven't heard that yeah. before that's and, cool. and i and i think that's the best thing i mean teachers with guns i think it's a huge mistake uh unless it, it very it's going to be a very rare situation where a teacher with a gun in the classroom is going to be proficient enough to use that firearm in a high pressure high stress situation because most police don't get that kind of in-depth training they should but most don't and in a gunfight and when the heart rate is elevated uh it, it's it's a whole nother situation so i think the canines are probably the biggest solution and then and then some type of you know reasonable uh conversation around you know and I, trust me i'm probably going to people are going to take it out of context <laughs> when they listen to it because it's the, the sad thing in this country is if you're not one side of the gun debate or the other, you're wrong. And that's just not, that shouldn't be the case. We should be having intelligent debate and conversations around how to make, how to respect the second amendment, but make uh, our schools and public places safe. So people don't have to worry about sending their kids to school with bulletproof inserts in their backpacks and, and we had, you know, the business that I run today, you know, we have a big, I think it's the largest kind of tactical survival club in the, in North America. We did, I was in a JFK airport active shooter situation. It, it ended up being somebody called it in a, and it was a, a hoax, but the whole airport was on alert. Police accidentally discharged their weapon. It was complete chaos and pandemonium. And, I, I developed for our club this bulletproof insert that goes into backpacks and briefcases. And when the school shooting started happening with frequency, we, we can't even keep these things in stock. But it's just sad to think that parents have to put bulletproof inserts in their kids' backpacks. And that's, you know, I think it's, it's a case where, I mean, I, it's a podcast on fatherhood, but I just did a whole Harvard 
uh, case study. Um, yeah, I'm a member of a YPO. It's a business organization. And we did a executive course with, with Harvard and we did a big case study on this kind of vanishing middle class in America. And it, when you have the haves and the have nots, um, you know, you have this gap in the middle and it, and it's why I think we've seen this country has gotten so polarized around certain issues. You either have to be on one extreme or the next. Um, but I think, you know, on any topic, whether it's parenting, you know, school shootings, we should have, we should be able, it's America. We should be able to sit down and have intelligent conversations without banging our fist on the table and, and not hearing the other person's perspective. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, do your kids show signs of going the entrepreneurial route or maybe even following in your footsteps in the military, becoming a SEAL? You know, I've got, it, it's one thing I love about being a parent is my oldest son, uh, he's, he's incredibly academic. He's in band. He's on the speech and debate team. Um, he wants to go into artificial intelligence and he really wants to go to Stanford and he, he, he is entrepreneurial. My daughter, she's, you know, out of the two boys, she's got the most kind of assertiveness and dry. Like she's, she's a ski racer. You know, she'll be the first to jump off a, off a cliff into the lake where her brothers are like, got to warm up a bit to that. <laughs> but she's a go-getter, but she's very artistic. She's make, she makes movies on her iPad. She, she just got her her drama class voted her screenplay to, to make into a mini movie. Like she's very creative and artsy, but also, um, you know, she's expressed out of all, both of them. She's really expressed like an interest in starting her own business. I, I remember I was riding the ski lift with her in Lake Tahoe and she said, you know what? I'm really into architecture. Maybe I'll one day I'll have a, I'll open my own architecture firm. And I said, that's great. Livy, which is her nickname. Um, I said, I'll be your first client. She's like, you know what, dad? She's like, you can be number two. I'm going to be my first client. <laughs> I was like, she's 13. Where does this stuff come from? But, and my youngest is super into sports and he, out of the bunch, he's probably the only one that I could kind of see gravitating towards, um, the military or, or maybe following in my footsteps. But to me, my job as a parent is to, is to support these kids in whatever they want to pursue. If my youngest son wants to go dance ballet, go for it, knock yourself out. If that's what makes you happy. Um, I just want to expose them to as many different opportunities as possible and then support their, their passions. And, and what I told my kids, I say, look, you know, I've worked my ass off. I left home at 16 years old, kind of at my, my dad's encouragement. And everything I own, I've, I'm, I've self-made. And you, know, I, you have this amazing opportunity now to go do whatever the hell you want to do in life. And, and we're not, I'll be upset if you don't reach as high as you can and, and pursue your own dreams. And if you fall, I'll always be here to catch you. Like your mom and I will always be here. But you need to go out and create your own path because um, nobody could do it for you not me, not their mom. Um, and, and that's my advice to my kids. Like you, you kind of owe it to, to me now and your mom, because we've sacrificed a lot to go out and do this and take risks. 
Yeah, well said. Uh, you have written a number of books. Uh, the Killing School and The Red Circle are two that I read and really enjoyed. Do you have any other writing adventures coming up? Yeah, I have a book called Mastering Fear coming out. Uh, it's It was inspired. Uh, I taught my best friend, uh, Kamal Ravikant, who's a best-selling author and, and runs a, a venture capital fund. Uh, I learned a year into our friendship that he didn't know how to swim. And he was asking me for advice on taking lessons. And I said, look, I can't have like one of my best friends not. And I'm a former, like I grew up in the water, became a Navy (laughs) SEAL. I was like, this is crazy. So I said, give me a week of your time in the morning. Give me two hours a day and I'll teach you how to swim. And so I did that over a week. And when I analyzed his situation, it it wasn't that he didn't know how to swim. It was that he had a fear of the water. Um. And so I had to deal with that first. I had to get him very comfortable in the water and then teach him how to swim. And he said that approach, nobody has ever taken with me. They're kind of put me in the pool and like shouting instructions on how to do swim strokes when, we're, when, when the core issue was he, his fear of the water. So I helped him get over that. And then when we got out of the pool on Friday, He's like, you changed my life. You should write a book about this. And so that's, I decided to, to write a book about fear because I, we all deal with fear. I'll sit here and tell you with a straight face. I was, I love skydiving in the SEAL teams. I was scared shitless my first huh. skydive. I, I lost a best friend on a training skydive right before I was supposed to go to, to get my billet in the military and learn. And, and I was nervous every time, like public speaking. There's only two types of speakers. I think Mark Twain said there's, um, you know, people who are, are nervous and then people who are lying that they're nervous. <laughs> because <laughs> everybody, everybody has a little bit of that fear and nervousness. Um, and we all deal with fear every day. So, you know, the, the idea with, with the book, was, which is called Mastering Fear, is to show examples and true stories of people who have lived in constant like constant fear like we all do but but make there are people that kind of make decisions early on to to, conf, to make a habit out of confronting their fear and and recognizing it and pushing through um, and then there's you know hopefully this will help people that may be a little bit stuck uh, when it comes to that because you know I, I see it all over the place with People are afraid to make career moves. Maybe they're in bad relationships and they're just, they're, they're afraid to kind of take that next step. So hopefully the book, book will help some people. What kind of advice would you give new fathers or about to be parents out there? I mean, like anything, I would say definitely um, it helps to read some books on parenting. Uh, if I would recommend a book, it's called With Winning in Mind. It's written by a friend of mine, Lanny Basham, who's a gold medalist one of the true pioneers of, of mental management. Um, he actually just wrote a book called Parenting Champions. Uh, but that Lanny is amazing, amazing coach, amazing parent. Uh, but, but to read and, and prepare and, you know, not, it, it's like being a captain of a ship or in charge of a business. Nothing is going to prepare you until you're holding the, the, the helm. <laughs> but it helps to kind of read and, and get an idea of what's going on and, um, there's plenty of great books on parenting out there, but and then listen to the podcast like this. This is great, a great resource for for fathers. Um, 
you know, to, to educate themselves on. Because, uh, you know, it's, I think, greater than 50% of America is divorced. There's so, it's, there's so many challenges out there as a parent, um, you know, and there's so many outside influences that you really do have to, uh, my job is, look, I'm going to, I'm not going to be out there protecting my kids. I'm going to train them to protect themselves in the sense of, you know, the voices and influencers that are out there, you know, putting stuff in their head. I'm going to teach them how to like deflect that stuff, you know, back to my conversation earlier on the, the positive psychology and, and self-talk because we're all walking around with this self-talk, um, and so I'm teaching, you know, I taught them early on how to deal with that stuff on their own because I'm not going to be there all the time. Their mom's not going to be there all the time. Okay. W- would you consider having any more children? Absolutely. You know, I, I'm in, I'm in a, I'm single right now. I've, I just came out of a relationship and I'm dating again. Uh, and I, I would totally have more kids with the, with the right woman. Absolutely. All right, this may be a great idea here, Brandon. Would you ever consider going on one of them shows like The Bachelor? I, I mean, there's got to be a number of girls out there that would love to jump into the pool with a seal. Not a chance. Are you going to catch me no, on that show? On. No, no way. Look, I I was one of the first wave of modern seals to write, you know, myself, Marcus Attrell, Chris Kyle. What many people don't know, we took a lot of shit from our community. You know, it's now it's, you know, it's a little bit more accepted, uh, but people have no idea like the stuff that we had to deal with, with our own community and everybody. It's so funny because they reference this, this code, right. Or the ethos Well, that they wrote that after all the books and movies came out about being a, you know, quite and really that applies to active duty, right? It doesn't, you know, when you're, uh, my opinion is like when you're out of the NFL the any type of public office or service you have a right to you're just a citizen you're back as a citizen and then if you want to write about your story then so be it it's like if somebody doesn't write that stuff how are we going to record history i understand you guys take a lot of heat for writing about this stuff uh, as a civilian and as a man and as a father i mean damn we could use a lot more stories from you guys and uh, i'd like to say thank you for writing them yeah no, I, I, I appreciate the gratitude, sincerely. I remember having many a heated conversation with some SEALs who were on active duty still. Now, today, they have books and podcasts of their own, and they get it because, you know, you're looking at things through a different lens when you're on active duty. And when you're out, especially when you have family to take care of, you know, life, life's like it. It's being a Navy SEAL on the outside and maybe get you a free beer at a bar. But other than that, like you're on your own, you need to kind of make your own way. And um, for me, the writing has been incredibly therapeutic. And, and that's something I think a lot of, a lot of people may not understand, like writing about my friend, Glenn Doherty, who died in Benghazi. Um, it's an extremely therapeutic way to kind of deal with deal with and not only that it's a way to honor these guys and tell their stories i mean i I mean obviously i don't have a stake in any of it but i I just enjoy being able to have access to some of the material because it really a lot of it has changed my life i mean that's why i have 
uh, you guys on. I mean, uh, it's very inspiring. Your your way of thinking, your mentality. It's just it's not the physical stuff that's attractive. It really is the just the the mindset that's that's astonishing. Yeah, I really hope your community keeps pumping out the stories because they have made a tremendous impact on my life. I mean, that's why I'm doing a Navy SEAL week here. You you guys are inspiring, uh, not just because of your physical capabilities, um, but but just your philosophy and your overall mindset. It makes it so appealing, you know, from from all the SEALs. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's uh, you know, it's an experience I'll cherish for the rest of my life. It's in many ways I get I get a little sad because I a lot of my a lot of guys, especially in my own community, have have struggled through the transition process, um, and it's it's sad because these guys have have sacrificed so much, and they don't necessarily get the best help with the VA or the you know when you transition outside the military, it's it's a very short class, you know. It's I think still one week long. Um, and then out you go, you know, you're used to this very structured environment and then you're literally, you kind of, you know, you lost your tribe. Your tribe was the active duty SEAL community and now you're on your own and have to make your own way. Um, and some of the guys, you know, they, they turn to drugs and alcohol and it's, it's sad because they're not getting enough support uh, and, and help. So that's something I've been thinking about recently on how I could be a better, you know, better example, better help. Like, well, how can I, how can I be more helpful and, and, and all veterans for that matter. And, um, but it's, you know, something I think about. How has the death of your friends impacted your children? Are, are they kind of sheltered from that or do they go to the funerals? Are they aware of what's happening? They, they're kept away with the one exception when, uh, Glenn, my friend Glenn Doherty, which for those listening, Glenn was a SEAL teammate of mine, one of my best, closest friends. Uh, he got out and went to be a contractor for the CIA and was in Benghazi, part of the CIA team that was responsible for rescuing a large, most of the U.S. State Department representatives in, in Libya who they got out after they had that attack attack glenn glenn and i were pilots we would fly to pick up my kids together there he was uncle glenn to them and when he died it was very public it was during the second obama's second term election and you know highly politicized and you know they were crying i remember talking to you know my oldest son in tears on the phone because you know they learned right you know right through the television and it was tough, but I, again, it, there's you got to look at those situations. And as sad as it is, there's a lot of positives that came out of Glenn's uh, sacrifice in Benghazi. For instance, uh, I started a nonprofit to give back to uh, contractors like Glenn and mili- military members that need emergency medical assistance. That where the government doesn't step in. When Glenn came back. Uh, his parents got a nice press conference at the White House, and then they didn't even give him $200 to anything to bury Glenn and give him a proper send-off. His friends and I had to pitch in so his parents didn't have to pay. The CIA insurance policy, there was like fine print that said, oh, if you don't have a direct uh, – if you don't have a spouse, the policy is not going to pay out. Um, so Glenn's family petitioned the CIA to change that, and they actually backed 
paid all these families in similar situations where they got zero death benefit, no insurance money, um, the, all the way back to 1983 in the Beirut uh, embassy bombings. Uh, and so there's a lot, of a lot of good change that came out of that. For my kids, it was the first time they had really lost someone close that they they loved and it was a good life lesson right like life is beautiful and and fragile and people that people you love sometimes die um and so it, it was a good lesson for them as much as, as sad as it was but that you know they're i think wise beyond their years uh, because of a lot of the things that they've experienced uh, early on and some stuff just happened, but the other stuff that their mom and I made sure to kind of steer them into certain experiences in life to to kind of toughen them up and give them some good life experience uh, so they'll be better prepared to go out and do good things in the world. All right, that's about all the time I have for you. I cannot begin to say how grateful I am that you took a few moments out of your day to spend it with me here on First Class Fatherhood. Great, great. Sorry, I rambled a bit. <laughs> hey, come on. No worries there. All right, Brandon Webb, everybody. We'll be right back after a quick spot. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now is a first class father you may recognize from his successful pitch on the Shark Tank, where he scored a deal with Mark Cuban and Mr. Wonderful. And as a result, the sales of his bottle breacher went from 150 k to over $15 million. He is, of course, a former Navy SEAL. Eli Crane, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Okay, let's blast off here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I have two kids. They're 10 and 6. What type of sports or activities are the girls into? Um, they are involved in gymnastics and currently they are at mermaid camp. All right. Did you always have the entrepreneurial itch even as a child? Like, Did you run lemonade stands and stuff or did this come later in life after your SEAL career? No, I never really did. Um, I, uh, you know, I, th I think more for me, it was just about uh, trying to make something cool. And then uh, I kind of caught the entrepreneurial bug as I was getting out of the Navy. And I realized uh, how much, even though the, even though the hard work, I love freedom and I love setting my own schedule. And I also love uh, reaping the benefit of hard work. Um, and so that's kind of how I caught the uh, entrepreneurial bug. All right, walk me through some of the benefits and some of the challenges of being an entrepreneur and a father. Well, as an entrepreneur, there, there's no such thing as nine to five. I mean, it's, you know, most entrepreneurs will tell you it's kind of an all day everything type deal and you try and balance it as good as you can. And I think for a lot of us entrepreneurs, uh, especially for the female entrepreneurs that are moms, a lot of times you're always asking yourself, hey, am I doing enough? Am I balancing my time? you know, well enough between my family and my business. And you always feel like, you know, if you, if you pay more attention to one thing, you're dropping the ball in the other department. And so balance is a really big deal. And, um, just making sure that you're not neglecting, uh, you know, what your priorities are, but also at the same time to where you're setting your family, um, and your future generations up for success. It's a real balancing act. Yeah, it's so cool to hear you talk about this because really, since I started this podcast two months ago and it really started taking off, I've been struggling with the balance myself of really pouring my heart and soul into this podcast to make sure I'm giving it my all. And also, of course, being a father to four children and all the rest of my responsibilities. It's, a, it's quite a challenge. 
Yeah, you know, it it really it really is. But um, I'm a firm believer that you know, to win at life, you really have to swing for the fences, and uh, sometimes you have to you know go big, and you have to at times put yourself outside your comfort zone. And there's a lot more failure than uh, than most people um, ever really know. But I also believe that uh, most successful in people in life don't look at failure the same way that everybody else does. They just look at it as, Hey, that's where the lessons are, lessons are learned. And, um, I'm actually going to try and fail faster and acquire more knowledge and more lessons learned so that when I, uh, have get the opportunity at another attempt, um, I don't make the same mistakes. Yeah, well said. Okay, but yeah, when you're when you're a single guy, it seems so much easier to roll the dice and take those chances. But what advice do you give that young father out there who's kind of stuck at a job that he hates, but he's afraid to take the risks to pursue his dreams because of those challenges? That's a great question, and it segues perfectly into something that I like to talk about. Um, I love the I love the side hustle, and to those young moms and dads out there that are you know, you know. Um, you know, working a job somewhere, you can do what I did and you can start a side hustle at night and on weekends. Yeah, it might mean that you don't get to watch your favorite episode of uh, Survivor or whatever your show happens to be. And maybe you don't get to hang out with your friends on the weekend. But uh, one of my favorite sayings is entrepreneurs are willing to work like nobody's willing to work so they can live lives that nobody's able to live. And there's a lot of truth, you know, to that statement. And so if you start a side hustle, um, at nights and on weekends, you know, when most of your friends are hanging out or sleeping or whatever, whatever else they're doing, um, but yet you're still paying your bills during the day at your regular job, that's a really great way to start because most of us don't have, you know, a rich mommy and daddy or a trust fund or an investor that's just willing to throw money of us at us right off the bat. Yeah, I'm all about the side hustle, man. I mean, I've driven over 1,500 trips for Uber alone, you know, and, and that's kind of one of the ideas where I got the podcast from is just driving around so many of these young dads and listening to them talk so negatively about fatherhood and, and a negative outlook on family life in general. It, it really drives me nuts. Yeah, you know, it's it's unfortunate that it's um, that there's such a uh, negative connotation that comes with fatherhood, you know, and, and I, I've had my own moments as a father where um, you know, I was, I probably took it a little, little bit more for granted than I, than I should have, but, you know, being a father, it's, it's a pretty awesome thing if you do it right. And if you're, if you're, if you're grateful and you, you know, you count your blessings and it's also a really important and responsible job. Yeah. I've been asking this question all week too, because there's obviously, uh, there's been a rise in school shootings. Um, how do you feel about the topic? What do you think could be done? What's going on? Um, I just wrote an article and uh, I think it was published in the new Boston globe about four weeks ago. And it, it was talking about, we don't have a school shooting problem. We have a fatherless problem. And basically if you go through the article and I know that sounds really, uh, you know, really obtuse, but um, there's a lot of truth to it. Uh, 26 out of the last 27 mass shooters have been committed by uh, young men without fathers, you know, and it's a, it's a really big deal. And, uh, you know, being a father's being a father is one of the greatest things in my life. And I love getting to watch, you know, my daughters and, you know, just as they grow up and they learn new things and their energy and their beauty. And a lot of times they, you know, 
um, especially after a long, hard day, you know, just getting to hang out with him is just the right medicine that I need, you know, cause it really brings me back down to, uh, you know, my baseline, it calms me down and it makes me realize there are more important things in life than some of the things that I'm worrying about at the current moment. Okay. What are some of the lessons you learned as a Navy SEAL that you can directly apply to being a father? You know, I think, uh, I think discipline is one of the biggest things I learned in the SEAL teams. And, uh, some people say discipline will set you free. Um, but one of the things that drives me the craziest when I hang out with other people or I see other, other dads and other parents is they don't discipline their kids. And they, it's almost like a lot of, a lot of these parents think that they're doing their kids a favor or think that their job is to, you know, be their kid's best friend. And not only is that not true, but what they're really doing is they're hurting their kids in the long run. And I see it all the time. And it just, it makes me sad. It's frustrating to hang out with little kids that, you know, don't have respect for, you know, other people's stuff or adults or, or really anything at all because they've never been, you know, disciplined. But, um, you know, we learned that in the SEAL teams, how important it is to, you know, have discipline, um, to be disciplined in your approach, to be disciplined with your um, equipment and how much, you know, it really pays dividends on the battlefield. And I think as a parent, you know, if you discipline your kids and do you do it in a loving way, but in a consistent and firm way, um, you will see the, you know, you will, you will bear the fruit of that discipline and you will have just phenomenal kids who respect other people. They, re- they respect, um, your belongings. They re- respect other people's belongings. Um, and you know, it, you'll just have a happier, more cohesive family. Yeah. And you'll have some pretty cool people to hang out with when they grow up too, you know? Exactly. All right. Listen, I know they're young, but how would you feel about your girls wanting to join the military kind of following your footsteps? You know, um, I think it'd be, I, I would be totally supportive if my, if my daughters wanted to join the military and serve, you know, I think, I think there would be a part of me that would be really proud if one of my daughters or if both of them decided they wanted to serve and, you know, get involved in something that's much bigger than themselves. You know, that's something that's always been a big part of me. Um, and almost everything I do is, um, trying to make sure that I'm not just focused on Eli and what Eli needs, but trying to use uh, the skills and talents that God's given me to, you know, try and bless other people and look out for other people. So it would mean a lot to me if uh, one of my girls um, displayed that kind of selfless um, behavior and that, that type of attitude and um, really tried to uh, make this world a better place. Okay. Are they showing any signs of uh, entrepreneurial tendencies yet? You know, I think both of them show little signs of it, but at, at 10 and 6, you never really know. So, Hey, my 10-year-old's putting stuff up on eBay, man. He wants to sell everything in his room, so you never know. That's pretty awesome. My oldest is really creative, so I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see her doing some, you know, you know, doing some art or maybe some new product development or something like that uh, down the road. And my younger one is a lot like me. She's, uh, she's, kind, of a, she's kind of a hard ass. Um, I could definitely see her uh, having the, uh, you know, the intensity um, and the will to run a company. So we'll we'll see what we'll see what happens with them. All right, are you and your wife planning on having any more children, or are you guys done? No, I I think we're uh, I think we're good. You know, I had my last child when I was in the Navy, and uh, I was gone enough as it is, um, and I really didn't want to be an absentee dad, and so I. 
it, I mean, to each his own. And I mean, every, every couple has to make that decision on, you know, what, you know, what's going to be a good fit for them. But I felt like because I was gone as much as I was, and I knew we were getting ready to go into a extremely busy chapter of our lives and uh, transitioning from the military to the private sector, I thought two was going to be, you know, a pretty good number for us. Okay, that was one thing I was trying to find out before the interview. I was unsure of whether or not you deployed as a father. So um, what was it like for you to be a single guy and then now have to transition to deploying as a father? What were, what were some of the challenges of that? Yeah, so um, the, the, big, the biggest difference was, you know, it's like, uh, and you hate, this, you hate to even look at it this way, but, you know, one of one of the worst things you can do as an operator overseas is be you know focused or too concerned about uh, what's going on at home. You know it's such a stressful job, it's such an intense job that uh, you need your focus and your attention to be um, you know on the battlefield and on the mission and with your teammates. And so um, you know the the difference was you know really trying to you know keep you know you know, keep your focus where it needed to be and not at home with, you know, the people you love the most and your kids. And, um, you know, I, th- I think it's a little bit more of a carefree lifestyle when, uh, you know, when you're single and you don't have, and you don't have kids and, you know, you really weigh everything a lot heavier when you know that, um, your family and your kids are counting on you to, you know, provide for them and, you know, make decisions, uh, that are the best for their future. Yeah, that's one of the things as a father of four children, I can't even begin to imagine having to spend that much time and be that far apart. So, I mean, uh, one of the most heartwarming things I ever see on TV is when, um, you know, a military uh, service person comes home and they hug their child for the first time. I mean, it's such a a heartwarming scene. Uh, So I, I definitely take my hat off to you and your friends and thank you for your service. All right. Do you have any upcoming projects or books or any other companies that you're starting? What could we look forward to? There's a good chance that I will be writing a book this summer. Um, the book will be more uh, faith-based. Um, it'll probably have a little bit of my story in it, but I'm really looking forward to that. And um, well, you never know when you start these things what how they're going to end up. If they'll even um, if they'll even you know run the run the gauntlet and come to fruition or not. But um, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm writing a lot of articles right now. Um, I found a real passion in doing that. Um, my last one I think was in Breitbart and it was about, um, you know, uh, Trump's nomination for, uh, um, the director of the CIA, Gina Haspel was running into trouble on, uh, with, with her involvement in some, uh, torture. And, uh, so that was, that was, that was a cool piece. And I, I really enjoy writing and, uh, you know, so I'm definitely, definitely into that and I'll be doing some, uh, commentary on, uh, the news as well, some political commentary. So, you know, those are the things that I'm going to be involved in uh, in the future and continuing to, uh, you know, work on uh, Bottle Breacher as well. I'll tell you what sounds nice is one of those 50 caliber first class fatherhood bottle breachers. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, we're happy to send you one, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, listen, that's all the time I got for you here. I can't begin to say how thankful I am that you've given me a few moments of your time here to kick it around about fatherhood. Um, thank you for joining me here on First Class Fatherhood. Uh, have a great day and thanks for having me on. All right, Eli Crane, everybody. We're going to be right back after a quick spot. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now is a first class father who needs no introduction. He is a former member of SEAL Team 6, or DevGrew. 
He is the best-selling author of The Operator, and he is the man responsible for shooting and killing the most wanted person on the planet. It is with great honor and privilege that I say, Rob O'Neill, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it. All right, let's do this. How many kids do you have, and how old are they? Uh, I have three kids, three lovely daughters. Wow, all right. I don't, wanna, I, I don't, I don't want to get into their ages. This is going to be kind of a unique uh, podcast because there's a lot of stuff I can't say about my kids, so we'll just... Uh, hey, I totally understand that, Rob. Listen, many of us take that for granted. I as well. I mean, I'm able to share my kids' moments and memories all over social media, but guys like you, you got to keep it all under wraps. Um, yeah, I'm I'm able to get on uh, social media, but I don't even follow my own kids just for that that simple reason. Right, wow! So it's, but they they are they are at unique ages where they're like, Dad, if we just say who we are, we can have a reality show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that would draw great ratings. What kind of sports are the kids into? Uh, they're into a little bit of soccer, and that, to be honest, a lot of theater type stuff. Um, so they, they, they the uh, one kid's into running, um, and then like the theater type singing stuff. So it's, it's uh, very unique. Okay. Are you involved in coaching at all with the kids? Like I said, it's going to be very unique because they're, they're kind of, they're hidden. Okay. And uh, uh, they're in like, they're in like a, a self-funded witness protection program. So I don't even get to show up for those things. Okay. What was the transition like as an operator going out on missions as a single guy, as opposed to going out on missions as a father? Well, it was easier before the uh, the kids because there's not. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where well, if something happens to me, who cares? Um, type thing. Obviously, you know, for the families and stuff, you, you do care. But but uh, yeah, w- once the kids were there, like we, you know, I, I was on a lot of missions. My kids were, were there for most of them. Where the realization that not coming back is is is, uh, is real, and um, it it's uh, you know it's to take kind of a new turn that, that you want to you know you want to turn to the kids, and then even like something like for the Bin Laden mission where we knew we weren't coming home um, almost the saying goodbye type stuff because there's so much more to live for. How about the children? Did they ever have any idea that dad might not be coming home? No, they didn't know anything. Okay. Okay. All right. Let me turn this over to one of the major topics for all parents here. Obviously there's a rise in school shootings. What's your take on it? What do you think could be done? Are you cool with officers being put into the schools? Yeah, there's plenty of um, retired military uh, combat veterans who are capable of, of arming, uh, being armed and working in schools. And this, the unfortunate thing that we're, we're at a point now where we need to realize that these mass shootings are always done in gun-free zones, which means there's nobody armed there except the perpetrator. So um, we're, it, 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 we, you need to evolve with the times. And unfortunately right now, we need to evolve like we did after 9-11. We don't let people with certain things on planes and it'd be like the inside of the airport becomes a secure area. As much as it sucks, we need to make the inside of the schools that kind of an area. So you need to have um, <clears throat> places where there, you know, uh, you can obviously do emergency exits, but there's only one or two ways in. You need metal detectors and armed guards. And that's just simply the way it is. Um, that's one way to do it. And then it also what needs to be addressed is the type of culture we've evolved into with uh, the internet that's made us um, so intimately close with so much stuff out there. The culture is the culture of violence. So we need to address the bullying. A lot of shooters come in because of bullying. Uh, um, what's the one in Colorado? That, that, that was Columbine. Columbine. That's because they were bullied. Uh, and the teachers need to step up. Armed guards need to step up. And the students need to step up. Um, it's, it's, it's a shame that kids need to – it's a shame that I need to talk to my daughters about active shooters and what to do if and when and how it happens. And it's just um, 
there's a lot of simply saying, hey, we're going to take your guns away is not going to work. We need to be realistic and smart. All right. How do you handle social media with your kids and all the dangers that come with that? Again, it's very, very difficult for me because we're not following each other and we don't live in the same places. Um, I just I try to be realistic with them. I'm very fortunate because my kids grew up really quickly dealing with a lot of stuff that I dealt with. And then the, the, the public exposure and the high profile missions. Um, but what I need to you know, tell them is, is, is try, try as best you can to avoid the negativity, even though that's very difficult because the Internet and social media are very, very negative places. But I also really request that they be honest with me. If you see something that if you see something that you wouldn't be comfortable with seeing when I'm standing right there, you should probably tell me about it and we can work through it. And honesty is honesty is never going to get you in trouble. So just uh, if you see something bad or you, you, you see something negative or something that affects you, I want you to tell me about it. And we're going to talk through it. And there's and again, as a, as a father, there's no reason to punish a kid um, for coming forth with issues that concern them because you know the kids are growing up a lot faster now than they 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 were when i was growing up in like the 80s yeah hey i'm an 80s kid myself and and i struggle sometimes uh you know to to keep up with the quick moving pace of it all but I'm, i'm trying my best here all right how about video games and the violence of video games and movies how do you handle that with your children uh, yeah, I mean, we're fortunate there because my the video games we, we play are like uh, Mario Kart and stuff like that. They're not into um, the, the, the violent the games active or... shooter and the violent games. So I'm very fortunate with that part. And then with the movies, um, and I hope that, you know, again, you don't know what you're necessarily what your kids are doing when you're not around. But um, we're not really into the graphic violent type movies. We're, we're, we're more into the comedy type stuff, too. And I, I would I'd actually much rather have a child. Um, here, you know, if it's going to be something to an extreme here, like a, 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 a curse word or the F bomb in a comedy, then deal with the, you know, the guy jumping to the glass after an explosion and murdering people. Well said, well said, Rob. All right. How about guns and gun safety? Did you introduce guns at an early age to your children? Again, unfortunately, I've had to teach them how to use guns. And, and I think that's important with a lot of kids is, is the, the best way to, to uh, avoid um, a catastrophe, uh, you know, other than keeping it under a lock and key in a safe, is to show them what it is, where it is, how it's used, and why. You know, you don't don't, don't be showing your friends if you if you need to understand how the gun works. Come to me, and I'll t- I'll show you. And there's nothing wrong with teaching kids how to use guns. I think the the problems and the incidents and the accidents come with teaching not teaching kids how to use guns because uh, you know if, if all they know is a simple toy gun, just pull the trigger, point at your friend and they stumble upon a real gun that they don't necessarily know is real, that's where the issues come in. So, again, it all resorts back to honesty. Okay, are you planning on, or would you consider having more children? Well, um, I don't know yet. I'm on my second marriage. I did get divorced after I left the Navy, and I just got married in uh, August. So, yes, I think I would like to. All right, all right. I like to hear that. What kind of advice could you give the new dads that are listening or the about-to-be fathers? advice i would give new fathers is don't expect any sleep for the first two years right on Um, with that but also um (laughs) the realization that your wife is working her butt off and maybe once in a while just let her take a nap and take take it over It, it was funny because some of the when i was married my first my first marriage when i was in the navy um deploying overseas going to combat then coming back i would let my wife 
have like a girls weekend. So you go out and I'll keep the kids. I actually realized it's easier to go to combat than it is to be a single parent. Yeah, you don't got to tell me. I, I've been left with the four of them. And to fend for myself here. And sometimes I, I give my wife all the credit in the world. Oh, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's like, you know, at least in, at war, there are rules. <laughs> with here, I don't know what this kid's doing right now. Are you still getting after it at the gun range or do you fire more tweets than bullets nowadays? Oh, I, I don't, I, I'm tweeting more, more and more just out of fun. It's, you know, the hard thing too, which I um, would tell kids and young parents too, is ease up on the political correctness because some of us are just joking. Take a rap off. Don't be offended by everything. Come on. Yeah. It seems like the terminology has gotten. So I talk about this all the time. Like we can't even say our kids are hanging out anymore. They're having a play date and stuff like that. It drives me up a wall. Nuts? It's like, come on. Uh, yeah, I agree. Well, it's same thing with the whole every kid gets a trophy, but it seems like enough dads that I, since I started this podcast, the majority of fathers that connect with me are sick and tired of that philosophy. Well, yeah, the problem is the media is not, and the media is doing a certain thing, and they're the loudest voices. Up in, you know, I mean, there's a certain social media platforms where people can get the real word out, but yeah, they, they, yeah every, everyone doesn't deserve a trophy. If, if we're keeping score, why don't we win? And if we're playing, why don't we keep score? And why don't we try to win? And, and you know what a good life lesson is? If, if you're not good enough to make the team, you shouldn't make the team. Try harder, do it next year. That's how you learn. You don't, you don't learn from being told you're great. You learn from failing. You learn from setbacks. That's how, that's how life works. Yeah, that's one thing I love about your whole community is that, that mental attitude right there. Uh, I'm trying to lead the way for my kids. I mean, this is, they all want to be YouTubers, and I kind of tried to set the bar here with this little podcast. And now, hey, I'm talking to the guy that shot Bin Laden. So worst comes to worst here. At least I got a little street credit with the kids to say, hey, guys, who had the number one podcast here? That's funny. That's true. Well, and, and again, too, the, the reason that I was able to be in a position to shoot Bin Laden was because I was with a team of guys who had busted their butts to get to that position, who had, who had always, you know, kept the positivity flowing, move forward, get over it, take your setbacks. The team was there because we went through a selection process. It's not because you know, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't pick a certain type of person for this. It was the person who got there based on success, period. And that was the entire team to include the pilots, to include the air crew, to include the, the analysts that found Osama bin Laden. And I was just there simply because I was fortunate enough to work hard enough to get in that position, to be on that team with those people. And that's what it is. N- none of, none of the, the men and women involved with the Bin Laden raid were ever handed a trophy. Yeah, the whole story is, is so inspiring, man. Uh, all right, listen, given what you know now, how would you feel about your kids joining the military? Well, I've talked about this with them quite a bit, and what, what I tell them always is if you decide to join the military, obviously I'll support you. But I would recommend getting straight A's starting right now and then get a, get um, accepted to one of the military academies, and then fly something. Okay, cool. That's just good advice right there, because that's got uh, all kinds of opportunities afterwards, too. All right, obviously, The Operator, best-selling book. I blew right through it in a couple of days. Do you have any other writing projects or any books coming up that we could be looking forward to? Well, I'm working on a couple things right now, and I, I th- um, it's more of a what-do-you-do-next type thing, the realization that life is a life is an experience is a, a, a set of experiences based on being in bubbles. Um, when you're in high school, that's the most important thing in your life. That's all you know is high school. It's all you care about is high school. And then high school ends. And then you go to college and college is the most important thing ever. And then college ends. And like for me, the military, I'm a Navy SEAL. Um, it ends. I'm not a Navy SEAL anymore. I'm a former Navy SEAL. What next? What do we do next? Everyone's always got the what next. Yeah. So um, it's that, um, you know, life is short, but it's also long, and I'm as old as I've ever been, but I'm also as young as I'll ever be. 
So what do we do now? What next? I'm kind of working on that sort of thing. And nothing in writing yet, but that's where my head is. Yeah. Hey, Rob, I mean, honestly, you, you really seem like a natural at this stuff. It seems like it comes pretty easy to you. You're a big presence on social media. It's awesome the way you engage with so many people. And I see you on TV all the time. You got that charisma about you and you're very well spoken. You didn't you didn't mention that I also have a great face for radio. Hey, Rob, it doesn't look half as bad as Osama bin Laden's looks. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, listen, if I, if I were you, I don't know if I would start any other sentence. But yeah, I shot bin Laden. So I give you a lot of credit for, you know, I don't know how you kept that in for so long. Well, it's it, you know it's 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 one of those things like I mentioned before. Yes, I shot Bin Laden, but I didn't get there by myself. And it's the people, the the heroism before me, that got me into that position. That that, that uh, I think people need to know about. A lot of these guys are at retirement age, and, and again, fathers they have kids too, uh, but they're getting out now. They're realizing what you know what next. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping we hear some of their stories because I was by no means the most brave person on that mission. The, like the the pilots that crash landed. That saved everyone's lives. Those are the stories that need yeah, to be told. Well, listen, Rob, if it was up to me, it would be mandatory that the minute you retire from the SEAL teams, you have to write your autobiography. That's the way I would want <laughs> it to be. I, I, I love I, when you guys come I, out with the books. I'm happy when a lot of guys do that. There's very, there's a lot of amazing stories out there. A lot of guys are concerned with the safety aspect, so they're never going to come forth. But I assure you, there was. I've seen a lot of heroes in a lot of different places. Yeah, and we definitely need those stories right now, and those movies. We need them. We we, we really do as a country. We really do. And and I just. I love the fact that uh, that you're on your second marriage here. You're considering having more children. I just think family values need to take center fold in this country. And, I, I, you know, I'm just. Uh... That is that is one of the reasons there's a lot of problems is because of the of the, uh, uh, the, the the family values are falling apart. And, um, you know, if, if, if a lot of kids growing up without fathers, that's an issue that that leads to a lot of the violence that leads to more violence. And and and. It's, it's, it's a shame that we're, that we're there, but the, the, the family values are important, and, and a lot of people are trying to take, break them down. I don't, I don't think they should. I, I mean, there's, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's very, very difficult, and, and you know, no one understands what someone else is going through. But uh, having a fa- people that grow up with a, with a, with a family intact, uh, they, they tend to be more successful. Okay, do you have anything else to add here before I wrap this up? No, this is great. And, I, you know, again, I apologize, too, for not being able to get too in-depth with my kids simply because of the security reason. But, but um um no it's been it's been great talking with you we should probably do it again hey rob that's music to my ears pal uh, listen i cannot say thank you enough uh for taking the time out of your day to give me a few moments here on first class fatherhood and listen i don't speak for myself i speak for a lot of people when i say thank you for shooting that bastard in the face <laughs> he had a coming and believe me, i'm here in new york right now and i run into people every day that tell me different stories about how thankful they are and again just uh thanks to everyone that would put me in the position to get in that position and uh, he did have it coming okay rob o'neill everybody thank you for giving me a few moments of your time here on first class fatherhood very cool thank you all right we'll be right back after a quick spot all right that's gonna wrap up the special edition here of navy seal week i hope you guys enjoyed those interviews as much as i enjoyed presenting them to you and please keep it locked in here subscribe to the podcast gonna be hitting you with some fresh content fresh topics of the day, fresh interviews, fresh everything here on First Class Fatherhood. I'm Alec Lace. Thanks for stopping by. Please subscribe, hit me with a little feedback, and I will see you on episode 55. And remember, you may not get to always fly first class, but you are always a first class father.